SAFM leading the conversation. The viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. On SAFM. Let's get going, let's get going. We'll continue our expressions of gratitude throughout the show. And perhaps to lead us in gratitude is Dr. Meji Mahobo, independent political analyst. Before we get on and going with hashtag the weekend wrap, New Year's edition here on The Viewpoint, let's get some word from you, Dr. Meji Mahobo. Good evening, first of all. Thank you for joining us. What are you thankful for and what are you looking forward to the most for this year, 2021? I think I'm just, uh, thanks for having me, and uh, I think I'm just grateful for the gift of life, and I think that's all I can say for now, because it has been very unpredictable 2020, so I don't know what to expect in 2021, but I'm just grateful for life. We do appreciate your gift of life too and many of those who are listening we appreciate your life and perhaps during the course of this evening if you wish to call and participate even to express gratitude for the littlest of things to the biggest of things certainly this is the show where you are more than welcome to participate because gratitude is the first step of many things in life coming right and Meji Mokhobe has already expressed his gratitude for life. Speaking about life and here's something that speaks to life as it were South Africa's response to COVID-19 particularly now at a time when the world is starting to grapple with the rollout of vaccines. Many governments have already started rollouts of vaccines to their communities and populations. South Africa, a little later out of the starting blocks, what are your thoughts so far on the strategy that has been outlined by the Minister of Health, Dr. Mkize? I think his, his plan is uh, it's not convincing at all because it shows that uh, we have not been planning and one would have thought because uh, the vaccine in this context is very important one would have thought that the minister would have been having discussions with different countries and different uh, multinational corporations who are involved in the research of the vaccine and then uh, what he has presented now it's not very coherent and it seems like other countries are rolling out the project South Africa is still trying to negotiate with different pharmaceutical companies to see how they can help the country. And I think that's a little bit too late because the virus has already caused harm to the economy and it has caused harm to many South Africans. And for the government to say now that we are likely to have the rollout of the vaccine end of February, it's kind of very sad, but what we can we say, we also have to sympathize with them because this seems to be something that is very complicated for the government. Now, whilst one might accept that, and one does certainly in my position accept that, nothing about COVID has got any sort of precedent, so you're literally learning on the job at all levels. But I'm going to jump to another conversation point, which does have some bearing, if you like, to this conversation in relation to COVID and South Africa's response to it, because the SIU, the Special Investigative Unit, has confirmed that corruption reports undertaken by the agency have quadrupled since March 2020, and we know what March represents in in, in relation to South Africa, that's when the hard lockdown came through. That's when the PPP tenders were rolled out left, right and center. And we know exactly what happened. Kimi Wakwetu told us that may soul rest in peace, as has his predecessor now in Tsagani Maluleke. So there surely is a relationship between the increased levels of reports of corruption that the SIU is investigating and South Africa's response to COVID-19. Perhaps some of these issues that you're going to talk to us about and have already touched on, there is a sine qua non with that. Your thoughts? Yeah, and I think that's 
the most difficult issue because now we're crippling with something that is very complicated, and then now you have issues of corruption, which means that uh, the little resources that we have that can help South Africa mm. respond co- coherently to the virus uh, are being diverted elsewhere. And at worst is that South Africa does not have a strong public health care sector. And how the minister has responded is not surprising because South Africans largely depend on the private sector, especially your middle class people who have access to medical aid. And then that shows that we're actually extremely in a deep, deep problem because here it's something that requires the agency on the side of government. And now you have people who are in government, who are connected to some people in government in one way or another, having an eye on how the government is spending the money that is allocated for COVID-19 response. And I think that's that's very sad because in the moment where the South Africa, South Africa is to pull above the weight, it's where we are now being distracted by issues of corruption. And that should be saddening because it shows that... Uh, instead of coherently focusing on this big problem, we are going to be derailed by issues of corruption. And I think for many South Africans, that's very, very, very sad. Dr. Metri Mahoba, independent political analyst, talking to us about some of the issues that we are kicking off the new year on. I would most especially welcome you to participate on this call. We're talking about, one, COVID-19 vaccine, two, the river between South Africa and the Sudimukhari River border, death of six people, at the crossing as people come back to work in search for labor, some of them coming back to return to labor, a conversation about the porousness of South Africa's borders and the safety or otherwise of such borders. We know just recently some 500 Zimbabweans, it was reported by Minister Arun Motswaledi, have been arrested for some kind or the other act of criminality. So perhaps we should have a conversation about the strength of South Africa's border and much more work is needed and a collaborative effort between the security forces, of course, together with Home Affairs. Number three, alcohol ban. Marked decrease in trauma unit caseload. For instance, at Baragwanath Hospital, it was reported for the first time in its history, I understand, there was not a single trauma case on 1 January 2021. That surely calls us to engage the question about South Africa's relationship with alcohol. I've said this many times before, and perhaps we should be in a position to have that conversation. A sober one, of course, no pun intended. Matric results expected. 22 Feb. Spare a thought for those young ones who, yeah, they just keep paying penalties after penalties for offences they have not caused. And this is just one of those things that has happened. Waiting until essentially beginning of March for your matric results for an academic year that'd be what month or two in thoughts on that parents your thoughts are welcome as well after the break we are taking your calls Johannesburg 714-2006 WhatsApp facility 061-410-4107 song as on my paper let's recall the rules first time I'm reading it out this year and I'll give you grace less than 60 seconds please no break no background noise and absolutely no profanity. That's the third condition, which is absolutely non-negotiable, obviously. We're trying to have a sober conversation where we respect each other, but holding no bars in relation to the frankness of our thoughts after the break. It's 2020. That's the time, of course, not the year. The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Turning conventional wisdom on its head. 
Indeed, we are live. We are back. It's 2021. We've got WhatsApp messages that we want to play on air, so please get, keep them coming. We want to play your calls as well in engaging with Dr. Meiji Mahoba, who's an independent political analyst on this hashtag weekend wrap, the New Year's edition. Let's move on from COVID-19, and I'm sure the callers will focus on that as well. The alcohol ban. There was a tweet that I read from an individual who's practicing as a doctor, and I'm saying this only to kickstart the conversation, when he said, and I'm paraphrasing his words, I work at Chris Anibaragwanath Hospital. You cannot convince me that alcohol should be made available during a pandemic as is this. In other words, from what I understood him in the follow-up tweets was that the alcohol ban has been, in many respects, a lifesaver for this country. Your thoughts on that, Doc? I think I agree with the sentiment uh, that uh, alcohol ban is actually crucial for to to limit the spread of the violence. I mean, the, the virus for some for, for basic reasons. Uh, when people don't have access to alcohol, it means that uh, how they relate socially is also limited, and there would be less movement. And when people are intoxicated, they can do unimaginable things. But uh, the issue of alcohol in South Africa also expresses much deeper issues. And because of how the economy is much constrained, it's kind of easy to make unsubstantiated argument that the sale of alcohol is good for the economy. And then that is that is shows how we depend on economic models that are unsustainable. The moment when something is destructive and then we come with this argument that, oh, the sale of alcohol is good for unemployment, is good for the growth of the economy, it shows that there's something wrong with the, with the country where we can see that there's a link between uh, the increase of uh, trauma, uh, trauma patients in hospital and the sale of alcohol. And then there's evidence to support that, but still there are going to be people saying that uh, let's, let's open the sale of alcohol because it's good for the economy. And that argument, which is much more dominant in South Africa, suggests to me that uh, we're actually a sick nation we have a very strange relationship with alcohol because it shows that uh, despite seeing the spread of the virus, we can't hold ourselves for this moment until the storm passes. And then that uh, is very, very sad. But other people are also arguing that uh, we, we should also look at the issue of alcohol in South Africa within the context of spiritual and cultural imperialism. Majority of South African people are wounded spiritually, and since 1994, there has never been an opportunity to repair many of our people. And majority of them have kind of given themselves to alcohol as kind of a healing framework for such. And although that is destructive, unsustainable, it's something that has been pushed by many people. And then again, that shows that this economy is very unhealthy, is very unsustainable. The moment where we see that something is destructive and we come up with all sorts of excuses why we should continue with something such as destructive, such as the sale of alcohol at this moment, it's it's a moment that we start have to ask ourselves questions about what type of country do you want to build? Where are we going? Whereas we see that the sale of alcohol is actually creating more burden to our healthcare system, but we still want to have access to such. I'll be interested to engage your thoughts, and this is not a question, this is something for you just to think about, because I'm going to engage some of the listeners. 
your thoughts? What would they be if we were talking about alcohol in a non-pandemic environment and context? Would there be any different to what you have said? And perhaps if we were to get deeper into the surface elements that everybody engages with, the road carnage and all the abuse that comes with alcohol, especially when you talk about past traumas, what is it perhaps then that could and should be the sustained strategy as it pertains to South Africa and alcohol? And of course, I'm making a clear distinction between alcohol use and alcohol abuse. There's nothing wrong with the former, obviously, and there's everything wrong with the latter. And this is a conversation that perhaps might warrant more airtime. Think about that. Perhaps you might engage it together with some of the comments that I'm about to one play out in the two voice notes that I've got so far before then reading another message that has come through. Good evening, Naya. It's Carl from Durban and a happy new year to you and all your technical staff and your family. Um, We're all familiar with Zama Zamas, the illegal miners, and I recently coined a phrase and I think we should call all these state capture rip-off artists Zuma Zumas. And in relation to what you're currently discussing with the drop with alcohol, I think it's a combination of the alcohol non-availability and the curfew. I think perhaps the curfew has just as much influence on the casualty admissions, I mean. It's it's fine if people stay home and get drunk and brew their own, but as soon as they go out driving, that's when the problem starts. Sure, that's a fair point in relation to the alcohol curfew and the relationship in terms of the numbers that we have seen drop. Another comment coming through, hi, song as a COVID-19 is a marathon. He who starts first is not certain to be the first to finish. The Spanish flu took three strong years, leaving close to some 70 million people dead between the years 1918 and 1921. We are in year two of COVID-19. And another comment. Hi, Songas, our best wishes to you for 2021. Many thank yous. Alcohol abuse, even by drinking cough mixture. Many empty bottles evident in the general environment. South Africa should consider pushing up the drinking age to 21 and drop the driving age to 16. It may give young ones something positive to achieve at a younger age. Those are some very useful comments. I would love whoever sent that message perhaps to give us a call and just embody a little bit more what he or she is saying in relation to that. Let's play one more voice note before we return to you then, Dr. Mechi Mahoba. Just a reminder, everybody, we've got all of, what, five, six minutes left of this segment, hashtag Weekend Wrap, New Year's edition. To, to give us a call, please, Johannesburg, 714 2006 we're talking all things merry christmas all things new year and the realities of the year ahead uh good evening uh Songeza. i think uh, the president uh, should consider uh, to close down or to lock down the alcohol uh, every december from the maybe from the 23rd uh, of, of december until uh, January early in the year uh, so that uh, lives can be saved uh, during the festive season as uh, the, this alcohol alcohol is claiming many lives on the roads. Uh, thank you from Andil in Willowville. Bye. L- let's start with Andila's comment there. The 23, to 23 December to 3 January ban on alcohol. I, I just had this word in my mind that was people will just defer their gratification. Your thoughts on that? Thank you, Andila, for that. Meji? I mean, the ban of alcohol from the 23rd of December to when? 
to the 3rd of January. That's his proposal to sort of limit the carnage and the damage on the roads and the violence that comes with that. He's saying it clearly worked from his perspective and his views, and he suggests from his comment that it could be something more sustainable. My immediate reaction to that as I was listening to his voice note was that people will just defer that. Now, what are your thoughts on that? I think it could be good for the short term, but uh, people are going to just find ways of uh, evading that because if you're saying there's no sale of alcohol between the 23rd of of December to the 3rd of January, they are going to stop the alcohol beforehand. And I think the problem has to do with the uh, national consciousness of, of this country. How do people value their lives and how could they be assisted in in, in repairing their dignity. And I think the, the, the problem here is more historical that uh, the consumption of alcohol is linked to a variety of things. Majority of people suffer super exploitation and they give themselves to alcohol as a way of escaping from their social and political problems. And then coming up with such a mechanism maybe would limit uh, the sale of alcohol specifically during that moment. But in all, it's not going to uh, solve this issue of abuse of alcohol in South Africa. And I think the issue should be about the spiritual and cultural reparation of these people, that uh, there's something that leads us to the bottle. And then we haven't really asked ourselves questions, why do people indulge in alcohol so much to the point of abuse? And then once we answer those questions, maybe we can start coupling with solutions, but uh, short-term mechanisms are welcome, but they are not going to uh, deep, uh, deal with the deep-seated problem, which is kind of very structural, that you know that even in the absence of COVID-19, uh, December December and festive season has a lot of casualties on the road because of car accidents, and they could be linked to alcohol abuse. And then that shows that uh, our national conscience has, has issues, and then as a nation, we need to start asking ourselves how do people value the concept of humanity and how can we re- repair the dignities of South Africans to ensure that they have a good relationship with alcohol. Fantastic. Let's leave it there. It's a pity we didn't have enough time to talk about the metric results, them being expected on the 22nd of February. Oh, this day just keeps moving further and further away. But nonetheless, to you, Dr. Mechi Mahoba, political analyst, independent one at that. Thank you so much, sir, for your time and all the best for the year ahead. You too. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Excellent. Thank you so much, Dr. Mechi Mahoba. In continuing our thanks, let us please never forget the South African National Defence Force together with the many security guards who manned facilities the country over day and night without fail, who encounter not just criminality, but who encounter ordinary citizens day in and day out. And that alone is enough to put them in the line of fire because they don't have the option of staying away. And the very nature of the job is well, hopefully, the less the better, but it's very much a contact engagement of a job. So we do give our expression to them, as well as, of course, can we never not say thank you to the many taxi operators and others in the public transport sector, because theirs is very much akin to keeping the economy alive. So we express gratitude to all these people, and we'll continue doing so. 2033 is now the time. Advocate Chris Marie from the Department of Justice is on hold. A conversation which we started sometime last year, we couldn't finish it, Here it is, Father's Rights and Access to Children, a follow-up from December last year.